Welcome to The Lavender Lifestyle, the podcast on lifestyle design for millennials. I'm Eileen, and I'm here to guide you to become a master artist of life. Every Sunday, you'll get new insight and inspiration on how to create your dream life. After the episode, the conversation continues in our Lavender Lifestyle Facebook group, so I can't wait to see you there. Life is an art. Make it your masterpiece. Hi everyone, it's Eileen, your host of The Lavender Lifestyle. Today I have an artist guest for you. Her name is Yumi Sakugawa. So Yumi is a comic book artist and the author of I Think I Am In Friend Love With You, Your Illustrated Guide to Becoming One With The Universe, and The Little Book of Life Hacks, How to Make Your Life Happier, Healthier, and More Beautiful. A graduate of the Fine Art Program of University of California, Los Angeles, she has also exhibited multimedia installations at the Japanese American American National Museum and the Smithsonian Arts and Industries Building. She is currently working on a sci-fi self-help memoir about Asian American daughters migrating into outer space. That's super cool. Thank you. <laughs> Hi, Yumi. Hi. Yeah. Before we dive in, I want to talk about your view of the world. I feel like I can see your perspective through all of your arts. Like your illustrations, first of all, they're they're quirky, they're cute, they feel very organic, but you have such a deeper message underneath it all. So I want to know what's inspired your view of the world and the universe. Thank you for asking that, Eileen. Uh, it's something I've been thinking about a lot recently. It's so many things. I think, first of all, it comes from... Having gone through mental health issues for most of my younger years, middle school, high school, college, early adulthood, where I was dealing with a lot of depression and low self-esteem. And I think in addition to therapy and going through periods of medication, the thing that really helped me was discovering a mindfulness practice where I began meditating every day. And so the focus shifted from my own perceived insecurities and issues to this greater cosmology where my own self-deprecating, self-loading thoughts weren't my reality, but there is this greater cosmic reality, this greater cosmic fabric that ties us all together. And so I feel like through meditation practice, which I've been doing for about eight years now, subsequently I got more into other mindfulness practices, discovering other artists who also incorporated spirituality into their work into very fun and playful ways. And most recently, I've been thinking a lot about magic and goddess archetypes and inviting divine feminine principles into our everyday lives. So a lot of things, um, but I think it all comes down to having a meditation practice and thinking how we can all live in the present moment. It's so interesting how that deep intuitive, like your perspective just stemmed from that dark place. I mean, can you describe where where you thought that origin, like where it started, all of those insecurities, what was that based on? And then let's talk more about that transformative period. I feel like the root of it, one root of it is that I was always a very shy person. So I feel like at a young age, I just never felt like I was understood. I didn't feel like I 
fit in, whether it was with my classmates at school or within my family or when I went to a Japanese language school growing up. And I also have dealt with some forms of uh, emotional and physical abuse growing up. Mm. So I feel like there was just so much, so much early programming where I felt that I was worthless, people didn't like me, people didn't have a reason to like me, I was physically unattractive, I just wasn't, I just didn't matter. And there, after the fact where there wasn't a person telling me these things, I took on that role to tell that story to myself. And so I feel like it just snowballed to uh, episodes of self-harm, having suicidal thoughts. And so finding therapy in college was definitely one of the helplines that really saved me from going into a further depressive state. And that's that's a huge step for you to take for yourself, right? To make the decision to do that. Oh yeah, absolutely. And um, the funny thing is, as I was aware of being depressed, having this self-loathing reality, weirdly, I was also always drawn to um, advice columns and self-help quizzes, personality quizzes, and reading about depression. (laughs) So it was always this interesting subject-object relationship where I would be in the middle of it, but then I would also be interested in wanting to solve it somehow or seeing it from this outside perspective as a therapist. Right. That's, That's nice. Like trying to help yourself out of it. So you had both sides of that view. I mean, I I feel like a lot of listeners out there could totally relate to that. Maybe depending on whether it's on that same level or maybe not as deep, but everybody has gone through self-loathing, self-doubt and low self-esteem. And I think it's so important to help yourself out of it. I mean, that's why I got so much into self-help and personal growth too, because I wanted to help myself out of that dark place that I was in. I was super lost Mm -hmm. and confused about life. So I think we all have a little bit of that in us. And and that's why I'm so happy to just get to chat with you, especially because you're an artist. So I'm curious, like, were you involved in creating art during that time? Like, did you, you know, did it help you express yourself? Did your art evolve? I definitely had art as this really safe outlet, um, especially in high school and college, where because verbal communication wasn't always a safe space for me, where I doubted my own my own voice, my own self-worth to even be in a group dynamic. I felt like art was this really wonderful safe space I was able to find where I could express myself in a way that felt unrestricted. And then in college, uh, as a UCLA student, I loved Life Journal. I still miss Life Journal. Oh yeah, um, those days. It was the best. I love that semi-anonymous, but still public forum of being able to have the, the privacy to articulate private thoughts in the safety of solitude, but still being able to share it with both uh, select friends and strangers. And also, I was really fortunate at UCLA. I was part of an Asian American campus theater group called Lapu the Coyote That Cares. And so I also had this really amazing mini community of friends and colleagues where we would write, direct, and act in our own plays. And so even as this really shy person, I also felt this almost masochistic need to put myself on stage and be really exposed in this really vulnerable but cathartic way. Mm -hmm. And so 
I definitely had these outlets in college and it was interesting because after college, I remember tying up so much of my art practice with ego where I thought, oh my god, I have to, um, I better write this brilliant debut graphic novel within a year of graduating or I'm gonna be a <laughs> failure <laughs> or um, I better um, really start making money off of my artwork. And so I feel like there was just this interesting period in the first half of my 20s where I wasn't really enjoying my art practice as much as I could have mm -hmm. because it was fraught with so much pressure. And so it really wasn't until the recent last few years where it felt like I really got to start reconnecting with my art again in this really playful and joyful and experimental state that reminds me of being a kid where I'm not so worried about these external expectations. So it's been this really interesting circular journey. That's actually really amazing to hear. And I can totally relate to, you know, when you're young and you're you're trying to make it as fast as possible as an artist and you put that pressure on it. I, I totally relate. I think when you're young, you're just, you think you can do so much in so little time and you're kind of like a little too confident or... I don't know what it is, but once you get older, you learn to like take it slow and really sit into who you are authentically. And I, I really can see that in your work now. Oh, great. I'm so glad to hear that. Thank you. For the listeners out there who aren't familiar with your art, can you talk about what you would say are like the recurring themes in your work? And what, what themes are you passionate about sharing? Cosmic magic, interdimensional travel, Asian American woman, self-love, outer space, a weird clothes, bunnies, <laughs> um, goddesses. And um, I feel like in recent months, I'm thinking a lot more about the physical body. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I'll be making a lot of drawings and art about sex soon. So <laughs> stay tuned for that. <laughs> okay. And do you want to share a little bit why you think these have your curiosity? Just curious, like, why these themes? I feel like, I mean, I don't know if you're into astrology. Mm -hmm. I am. You are? Oh my gosh. We, we, we need to talk about that too. Oh, totally. <laughs> so, so just to give you all astro nerds a um, insight into my own natal chart, I'm a Sagittarius sun, Aquarius rising, Virgo moon. And I feel like I definitely relate to that Aquarius, that very Aquarius wavelength. FYI, one of my favorite artist heroes, Yoko Ono, is a triple Aquarius. <laughs> <laughs> to give you an idea of like sort of what Aquarius people are associated with. Uh, so I really relate to that like very Aquarian uh, wavelength of thinking about the future, really kind of being impatient with what's happening in the present timeline because you're thinking about this more evolved futuristic timeline where people have embraced humanitarian ideals and mm. all of these structural patriarchal problems are solved and people are on this really awesome cosmic wavelength where they're communing with plants and animals and nature and spirits and outer space and so I feel like there's always this sort of hidden inner world that makes me really happy which then I want to channel and share with the people around me so I feel like there is always this underlying utopian vision that 
I keep wanting to uncover and keep wanting to get into myself deeper and deeper, whether it's creating this world through art or wanting to wanting to live this world ideals myself so that this future can happen sooner than later. That, that's what I'm thinking. It sounds like part of your gift is to push us closer to that ideal future that you're envisioning. I think that's the power of a lot of artists to, to show us the possibilities of what could be and to kind of nudge us in the right direction. Yeah, that's super cool. And it, all of these themes like totally ties into your upcoming sci-fi book. It just sounds so cool. Like Asian Americans' daughters migrating into <laughs> outer space. Can you just give us like the plot summary? Like what's it about? So one recent art installation I did that uh, sort of helped, that was happening in tandem with me brainstorming for this book, which is still in this very nebulous brainstorm phase. Uh, the plot, I tell you now, it may drastically change in the next <laughs> um, okay. few months. So we'll see We'll see what happens with this. But last fall, I was uh, doing work with the Smithsonian Asian Pacific Center. They had this really wonderful pop-up art event that was all about imagined futures. And so the participating artists and scholars and writers, they were all thinking about science fiction but through this Asian American Pacific Islander American lens and so I created this installation that was about a space station for an ancestral worship shrine for people who migrated from earth because earth was no longer inhabitable so it was me thinking what would ancestral worship and cultural practices look like if earth no longer existed and the only remaining survivors happened to be asian american and so the only history of earth that we have left comes from this very 21st century asian american angle so i feel like science fiction is just still so at least the ones that's available to us in mainstream american culture it's still so not diverse yeah totally <laughs> so i feel like i want to reverse that completely where it's like well what if it's all just asian american women the only survivors mm -hmm. of earth are asian american women and not just asian american women but a very small group of asian american women and so the memories that they have of earth family their own very specific perspectives on everything from their own bodies to relationships to their relationship to nature. What if that's very Asian American and in this very liminal way where their grasp of Asian history from the motherland or language may be incomplete, but, but that's all they have. Mm -hmm. And um, their own experience with being an American, being the daughter of immigrants, that's also going to be very specific. Mm -hmm. And so what if they have to leave Earth and somehow they have daughters in spaces and planets that is not Earth, so they have to pass on their own cultural practice and lineage, lineages, what is that going to look like for these post-Earth daughters? So that's, that's sort of the angle that I'm thinking about a lot these days. That's the bare bones plot that is currently in the works. Nice. 
That's super interesting. Do you love to learn and try new things? Are you a creative looking to sharpen your skills or explore other mediums? Well, Skillshare is an online learning community with over 16,000 classes in graphic design, illustration, and more. You can learn everything from logo design to visual thinking to watercolor. Classes are perfect for the professional designer looking to get a leg up at work or the freelancer who wants to attract more clients and build her brand. Skillshare teachers include work designers with years of experience and AIGA award winners such as Ellen Lepton, Debbie Millman, and Seymour Quast. With Skillshare, you'll get unlimited access to all of this for a low monthly price. Never pay per class again. Personally, I've taken classes in branding, marketing, watercolor, and even floral arranging. You really get so much value from even a 30-minute class. Thankfully, Skillshare is giving all Lavender Lifestyle listeners one month of unlimited access absolutely free. So go to Skillshare.com slash Eileen to redeem your free month. That's Skillshare.com slash A-I-L-E-E-N. All right, back to the podcast. So let's move on. I want to ask about your routines. I know you talk about having like a morning ritual. I mean, I'm curious, do you have a schedule or do you just create whenever you feel like it? What? Yeah, tell me about your rituals and your routines. I'm such a nerd about rituals and routines, especially morning routines. I feel like it's having something that you do every day first thing in the morning it's such a grounding practice and for the longest time it was just meditation so 20 minutes of sitting in mindful meditative silence the first thing i did after i woke up and just doing that alone is going to change your life and so for all the listeners out there if you've ever toyed with the idea of meditation or you meditated for a little bit but you sort of fell off the bandwagon I just cannot recommend enough it's it's something I tell everybody whether it's my own friends or when I talk to college students the best gift that you can give yourself is a lifelong daily meditation practice whether you use an app like Headspace or you just sit in silence for five minutes connecting to your breath Whatever form it takes, it's just really going to transform your life in this really meaningful and wonderful way. So definitely meditation. And in recent years, and uh, some of them even um, very, very recently, just in this year, I've added a few more components. Uh, So my own morning ritual, it can get a bit involved, but now I, I honestly can't imagine not doing any of it. And so the first thing I do is that... And this was from this really amazing witchy self-help online course that I took uh, just recently. And the first thing I do is that I light an incense stick as a way of honoring the spirits, whether it is local nature spirits or ancestors, just the spirit world in general. I also leave out a bowl of clear water. And I love that because you're taking this bowl of water that has water from the previous day, you're dumping it out and you're filling it with fresh water. So I just love the physical gesture of acknowledging, okay, this is 
a completely new day with completely new energy. And here is water to, to be used as an offering to acknowledge that this day has right. completely open and new and exciting possibilities. So you keep the water there and then you refill it every day. Exactly. Oh, that's cool. And it's after doing those two things, that's when I meditate for 20 minutes. I uh, just set a timer on my phone and I sit in contemplative silence for 20 minutes. And sometimes I'm going to have a really amazing meditation session where I'm able to quiet my mind and able to really get into that wonderful inner space. And sometimes I'm just going to be really distracted and thinking about Mm -hmm. a million things or thinking about like really stupid things but right. it doesn't matter um, it happens to everyone right yeah. it doesn't matter mm -hmm. whether you're thinking about um really trivial mundane things or you're able to get into the space or whatever it is in between just having that space for your brain to process is unbelievably important and then after that this is a practice that I got from one of my favorite creative self-help books, which is The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. I'm reading that right now. Oh, awesome, awesome. So what I started doing is the morning pages. Oh yeah, totally. Which is, uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with uh, The Artist's Way, the author basically recommends every morning you just fill three notebook pages of stream of conscious writing where it could be anything. It could be a shopping list. It could be a list of complaints. It could be complete nonsense. Whatever it is, you're just filling three pages. And it's this wonderful meditative practice where you're physically getting out of you the mental junk that could be clogging your brain. And so you just have this wonderful uncensored outlet to get that out of your brain. Um, so I, I've been doing that on and off for the last year, but uh, recently I've I've just really gotten into it and I really love doing it. And um, another recent uh, morning ritual that I guess sort of closes this whole sequence of events is that I have this really beautiful uh, divination deck that was created by mm. this, um, this really talented local psychic who is based in Los Angeles. She's an intuitive and an artist. Her name is Marcella Kroll. So she created this really beautiful uh, divination deck of symbols and visually interpreting it through her own artwork. And so I close this morning ritual sequence with drawing one card randomly from the deck so that whatever card is drawn becomes this archetype or idea or symbol that I can just sort of meditate for the rest of the day and sort of see that as the theme for the day. So um, for example, today I drew a card that was the earth card, which is associated with being grounded and being connected to the physical body and making sure that your physical body gets nourishment and rest. And so I felt like that's been this really great anchor for the first half of my day where I made a conscious decision to go out on a walk, to eat healthy, to make sure that I'm properly hydrated. And right. so I love including this sort of random cosmic chance at the end. It's really nice. It's like you're getting a prompt for the day, like a theme. Definitely. That's really cool. Yeah, that's exactly it. And I, I feel like um, the more I do it, the more uncanny it is of how the themes of the day or the events that come up in the day or conversations coincide with the card that was drawn in the morning and so it becomes this interesting conversation between 
the card that you drew and what ends up happening in the universe. Right. So I used to do this like yearly workbook by this woman named Leonie Dawson. And there was a part of the workbook where she told you to draw a card for each month of the year. So you'd be, it'd be like January mm-hmm. and then you like draw a card for January through December. And I really like that because at going through the year, I noticed that each theme really matched my month. It was just weird how how like those things happen. Oh yeah, definitely. I love to do that for my birthdays too, where I oh, do yeah. that 12 months draw. Oh yeah. So I want to ask, you know, with all of these events or tasks in your morning ritual, like how do you make time to do this every day? Because I also try to meditate and do morning pages, but sometimes it's like, it's just hard to like, you know, carve out that morning time to get it done. I'm curious, how do you make sure you do these things every day? Honestly, the best motivation for me is that I just don't feel as good if I don't do it. Mm-hmm. It's like if you don't brush your teeth or you don't shower, you just kind of feel off for the rest of the day. So, Or you anticipate that you're just not going to feel as fresh for the rest of the day. So mm-hmm. there's just no hesitation in doing it. And it does take a while to get into the rhythm of it. I know that as much as I talk about meditation all the time, um, definitely in the first few years of my meditation practice, it was it was very on and off. Um, I would go go for months without meditating and then mm-hmm. do it again, uh, go for months without meditating again. So it took this very long time for me to reach this very consistent equilibrium where it it was just no question for me to to do it every day and so it's not a matter of discipline or because because I definitely fell into that trap too where it's like oh I'm not meditating every day I must be lazy blah 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 Mm -hmm. and you know I'm struggling with that with with other habits that I want to form like like exercising or eating healthy I think it's just that the more you do it the more good it feels and so when I don't and and and, you know sometimes I do have a crazy morning so it's so everything that I mentioned it's gonna get shortened to okay I'm going to meditate for five minutes and you know drawing a card I'm gonna do that at like lunchtime and the morning pages maybe I'll do like one or two pages later in the afternoon. So I, I do give myself flexibility where if, if there are instances where doing that whole sequence is not possible, then I'm going to do the bare minimum, which is that I'm going to sit in mindful silence or I'm going to give myself that meditation break later in the day. But I just, I'm just at a point now where it just, I just have to do it. It's like brushing my teeth. I just, I can't not do it. That's amazing, actually. I I think I'm trying to get to that point. I'm still on the like on off, like haven't fully learned to be committed place. But totally, I think if you get to that place where it it feels so good that you can't not do it, that's the goal. Because obviously these things all like contribute to our well-being. You know, it's all part of self-care and it's all good for you. So good for you. (laughs) Yeah. One thing that also helped me, Eileen, is that I love... I'm sure you do this already too, but I also love having other friends who are in it with me too. So I talk about morning pages with my girlfriends. I have friends who are also meditating or consulting with their tarot card decks. And so I feel like uh, for people out there who have difficulty getting into the groove of this routine that they want to get into, 
being able to share this um, intention with friends is really helpful. It's like having a gym buddy, but for self-help. Right. A self-help, self-care buddy. Yes. I like that. Yes. Yeah, that's super cool. So everyone out there, if you can find one, find a buddy. <laughs> All right. So lastly, where can our listeners find you online? It's funny. I've been on a bit of a social media hiatus. Not very long, um, but it's going to end soon. So I'm, I definitely want you guys all to uh, find me online. Um, I just may not be active for the next week or so, but but it's definitely there. Um, so I feel like Instagram is probably the platform that I like the best. And so it is at Yumi Sakugawa, my first and last name, no spaces. And that's also my Twitter handle, at Yumi Sakugawa. On Facebook, I also have an artist page where I regularly put updates. So it's at facebook.com slash Yumiverse. And uh, I also have an email newsletter that I send out every so often for people who aren't that into uh, social media. So if you go to my website, yumisakugawa.com, there is an e-newsletter sign up so you can find me there as well. Awesome. And I'll link all of those links in the show notes in the blog post. So make sure to check out Yumi Sakugawa there. Thank you so much, Yumi. I love your art. Thank you so much for sharing your journey and your self-care routines, all of that. Thank you, Eileen. Thank you so much for reaching out to me. Totally. All right. Bye. Bye. All right, that's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening to The Lavender Lifestyle. If you like the podcast, please show your support by leaving a review on iTunes. It helps me so much and also helps other people find the show. You can also catch me on YouTube and Instagram at Lavender, where I have even more content for the artists of life. All right, love you all. Bye. Bye.